open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. Uh, we have a tremendous interview with Charlie Shrem. We're going to be talking all about how to buy and sell Bitcoins. Uh, Charlie's been one of our uh, just extreme entrepreneurs in the Bitcoin space. Uh, he was CEO, Chief Compliance Officer of BitInstant. Uh, Charlie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, you know, just to get kind of started off, how did you get into Bitcoin? Like, what are some of the businesses you've been involved in? Uh, just give us a little bit of background about yourself. Um, you know, I'm really envious uh, of, of people that are coming to this space now because um, it's so much easier to buy and sell Bitcoin. There are so many more reputable companies that are not scams. There are, uh, uh, you know, amazing OTC markets. There are a lot of different, no matter where you are in the world, from Morocco to, to Monaco to Russia, it, you could probably get Bitcoin within one day at a very, very reasonable rate. And that used to not be the case. You know, when I got involved in Bitcoin in 2000, I think it was like late 2010, early 2011, it, there was maybe one place to buy Bitcoin, and that was Mt. Gox. There was no other way unless you knew someone who could send it to you for free. Granted, Bitcoins were a lot cheaper, but still it was relative. So maybe it was like 7,000 Bitcoins for a dollar. But still, at the same time, it was hard to get unless someone would send it to you for free. So, uh, you know, I was browsing the Bitcoin forums one day and, and I was trying to buy some Bitcoin. I had sent uh, uh, money to a new Bitcoin exchange that was just opened, uh, just had opened up for a week uh, called Trade Hill um, by Jared Kenna. And it was the first Bitcoin exchange based out of America. And I was excited because I didn't have to wire money to Tokyo, to Japan, for Mt. Gox. And, and I had sent money to Jared. Uh, the CEO and just just my luck when I sent him money ING shut down his bank account so my money was frozen and I was like wow like it took three days for the wire to get there now my money's sitting freezing for a week meanwhile the price is going up you know it's it's going up and I'm like losing out really badly and I said if this thing really needs if it's going to take off if Bitcoin's going to take off people need to be able to buy it and sell it it's easy you, you could buy coffee and Starbucks on the corner I was browsing the forums one day, and I and I came upon a post by uh, my soon-to-be business partner Gareth Nelson, and he said, "I have this idea, and the idea is essentially to float people bitcoins, and they pay us, and we'll wait the time delays for the wire transfers, etc., and we'll take a small fee for that." And I said, "Hey, sounds like seems like a cool idea," and uh, and I decided to to put up the money to do that, and that's how we started a bit instant. Um, and Binnison essentially allowed people to walk into places like 7-Eleven, CVS, Dwayne Reed, um, banks, you know, Bank of America, Citibank, Wells Fargo. They deposit money into our, our accounts or into like 7-Eleven or, or Walmart or whatever. And we then fund their exchange accounts or give them Bitcoin directly. 
And then we'd wait the week or so until these banks would settle with us or some model would settle with us and end up being something that people really needed. And we, at some, at, at, at one point, were doing uh, a few million dollars a day and maybe 30, 40% of all Bitcoin transactions were being bought and sold through us. And we were the primary retail method. You know, what, 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 what I was always saying was that exchanges should be the average person buying under $10,000 worth of Bitcoin should not be going to exchanges. No one should be going to exchanges anymore at all. But someone buying under 10000 should be buying at retail from Coinbase. Um, this new company, Celery, that is just opening up. Um, um, Circle. Circle, of course. Uh, Circle has a bunch of problems, though. I, I've been having trouble buying it on it. Um, oh, but, really? Like, I actually bought like $5 yeah, worth when, and it worked just perfect. The other day when the price went down to two ninety seven, I wanted to pick up. I kept saying, error, 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 error. And Coinbase <laughs> was ripping. Coinbase was ripping everyone. They weren't gouging, but the price was like 280 <laughs> to 97 or whatever it was. It was 300 They were charging minimum 330 I ended up buying it, and the price is over 330 now, so I'm happy. But I could have got it at 300 if I had money on Bitstamp. Well, not like that never happened to Bit instant either. <laughs> yeah, true, true story. And that's unfor- That's why we were we never locked in rates because because we just like we would have lost a ton of money if we locked in rates to people. Yeah, I think people really underestimate like just how hard it was, it was to impossible. buy bitcoins in the it early days. I mean, I like I you know I've been around the space for a long time and. I mean, it was just, it was just, you're going to send money to some guy over the internet. You don't even know. It was so, it was so shady. I mean, we, were, we were venture funded. We were a real office in New York City. We had 20-something employees. We were really growing, and we were really doing great things. Until today, we never scammed any any person. Occasionally, I'll have someone email me saying, like, hey, you know, I sent you money, and you never sent it back to me. And, like, even as early as last week, I sent someone a $300 check out of my own pocket. And... He could be lying to me, but I want to make sure that no one could be calling me a scammer on the internet. And so we've always been right with our customers, but there were issues where where our volume was growing so much, doing more than the exchanges, that we couldn't fulfill orders. And then the exchange APIs were going down, and we were like going crazy, and we couldn't do anything. People were killing us online. Yeah, I mean, there's really been just a ton of development in this space. I mean, not just on the Bitcoin protocol. Only two years. And not just on wallets. But, I mean, on the, on all this core infrastructure, we've got companies like BitPay, Circle, Coinbase. We've got exchanges like Bitstamp and Kraken and ItBit and, like, just all all Lake, of this. Lake BTC Lake, doing, yeah. And all of this is just – I mean, all of this takes an entrepreneur like yourself to actually get in there and do something. But it's so hard in the American market. A lot of these companies, they won't work with American customers. Coinsetter. I think we'll work with American customers. The uh, uh, lake work with American customers. They they will. Um, well, I think I think I think I think this takes us just right into a perfect area. You've had legal issues, um, as we know. Uh, I think it's what one count of an unlicensed money yeah, transmitter. That's, that's what I. That's what I is, pled guilty is to. Is what you pled guilty to. I was there actually in the courtroom in federal just, court. That's it. Like we didn't have a money transmitter license and. And, and we tried very hard to get one over the years, and we were very friendly with the government. But at the end of the day, I, I am guilty of that crime. We didn't have a license, and the law says you need to have a license in every state. And, and, and so we've got, we've got laws that are written, what, like 40 years ago? Even before before the Internet even really came around. These were built for, like, the check cashers who, before the days of the Internet, you'd have someone scam other people by taking money here, saying, I'm going to send you money in, in California, and then never do it. 
And because there was no laws around it, and people were constantly getting scammed and defrauded. And that's why those laws were created, to protect the customer. So if you were a New York company, and you wanted to service customers of California, you needed a California license. And so those days, it kind of did make sense. But now with the internet, it's, it's such a different business model that all these businesses are working are, are 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 trying to do but these laws were based on this like old archaic system instead of rewriting laws they just keep like patchwork so it's like if your your wiring in your house goes down you just keep putting on band-aids and tape and you just keep patchworking onto it instead of like fixing rewiring the whole house because it's just easier and faster yeah and, and we won't talk about how they're doing the same thing with the the actual information systems of the banks i mean we recently had uh, what was it i think royal bank of scotland had all their atms go down one day uh we have jp morgan like 76 million customer account information getting breached I'll never home forget. depot target it's just crazy. across the board i I'll mean it's just a the... bunch of duct tape holding this together right do you remember last year um, um, many people don't remember it, but for there was like a 30-hour period when the, the whole Visa network in Canada went down. So no one with a Visa debit or credit card can use their, their cards. For th- imagine being able to be cut. My, all my cards are Visa. I don't have any MasterCards. Imagine being completely cut off from your money for 30 hours. When, when was the last time the Bitcoin network went down? It never went down. What, the, the Bitcoin network's been around five years and never went down, it's, ever. Because it's decentralized. There's no one central location to actually go down. So so we've got we've got massive amounts of commerce going through things like Visa and MasterCard in the banks. And we got ATM machines that'll just like fail out of the blue. Yep. And then we have entire countries like their visa just doesn't work does that pose any like risk to the social order and yet when when an entrepreneur comes in and wants to do some work in this innovative new field they get slapped with these unlicensed money transmitter charges i'm I'm challenging the status quo there are people that own visa and mastercard and these people are very close with the government and and but have super PACs and pay lobbying and they do all these things to keep the laws like this. It's very hard to change these laws because they protect. Unfortunately, the one of the one of the biggest things that I am scared about with this new thing called the bit license. So the bit license is supposed to be this kind of like way for Bitcoin companies to legally operate within New York and the rest of the country, and and everyone's hailing it as a great success. My problem is. Is that one of the things that I've been trying to push for is for a tiered system? Because yes, Coinbase, Circle, BitPay are going to say yes, this is amazing. But these guys raised thirty million dollars. These guys are the ones who can afford to do it. There's no difference in PayPal, etc. But the guys who are doing the real innovation in the space, the guys who are running the um, um, the Bitcoin uh, protocol, and who are running Bitcoin companies out of their basements, for example, a company like BlockCypher. I don't think they raised a large amount of money, if if any. But BlockCypher is is has only one of the good APIs that actually offers a way for companies to accept Bitcoin. Uh, with zero confirmations and double spending. And that is one of the biggest problems that people say about Bitcoin is that you have to wait 10 minutes for a confirmation. So now these guys are coming out and creating awesome software, but they can't afford to deal with the bit license. And yes, the government came and said, all right, software people and miners don't have to deal with the license, but we don't know if that's true for every state, and we don't know how far that goes. And yeah, and what they might change it yeah, to in the you future. Just don't know. So it just takes innovation and says, like, you know what, it's too either too complicated to do it, so we're not going to do it, or we're going to leave the country and just not service American customers. So I joke that, like, there's this, like, thing... A lot of companies have on the bottom of their website. This is like made in New York. Like if you're if you're a New York company, you can like be prouder of that. 
Um, like there's a bunch of these trucks that drive around the Oval logo and a lot of like new startups they made in New York. It's like people should have a thing on that. It's like banned in New York. Sorry, we don't service New York customers because you can't do it. Well, I, actually, last week I, I had invited you to the panel that I was on at the British consulate. Killed it. And yeah, it, it was pretty good, I have to admit. But, you know, one of the questions was about the exchanges. And I was like, look. You know, the largest ex- exchange is Bitstamp in the UK. Uh, we've got BTCE, we've got Lake BTC, like, but we don't have any exchanges in the US. The US is not a player in the Bitcoin no, exchange market, largely, would you say, because of these uh, regulations? It's just too scary. It's too, it's too, it's just, there's no legal way to do it because if you try to do it, you try to raise money, no one's going to give you money because you're an illegal company. Yeah, well, I mean, and there's a risk you go to jail too. Especially yeah. the exchanges are harder. Companies like Coinbase that are retail, the government's not as worried about those guys for a bunch of reasons because they are doing KYC, um, but also because retail, when you're selling Bitcoin from your own uh, wallet to a customer and then you're buying it from, it's very easily um, trackable. But when you're when you have an exchange, you have one guy who says, "I want to sell ten Bitcoin." That can be bought by a thousand different buyers buying 0.001 each so it's very entangled and complicated and and exchanges can be very good ways to launder money if they're not keeping logs and and tracking all their customers and everything which a lot of the exchanges do anyways but they're being pushed out of the market at the same time yeah and i wouldn't be surprised if uh we we've just seen the beginning of uh, some of the legal uh, issues with Bitcoin companies in the U.S. It I heard this. I heard that there may be arrests and things like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, we don't want to speculate uh, too much on things, but uh, it. I mean, it just goes to show that when we're when we're trying to build a solution to these big systemic problems, I mean, too big to fail. We've yeah. got you know, we give seven hundred billion dollars to banks when their ATMs shut off in the middle of the night for a weekend. Yeah. And when uh, the credit cards fail, like, that's a big, big problem that can, I think, in my opinion, could pose a big risk to just the social order of, order of things. I mean, what happens if, if New York City, like, all the Visa and MasterCards go down? I it's mean, a big problem. like, and what about machines, getting food? They're so old and they don't work. Like, last year, in the middle of the night, I needed to get money, like, 9 o'clock, and I went to a Valley National Bank and I use a credit union, and I put my debit card on the machine, and they just ate my card, and nothing happened. I was flipping out. I banged, and no one's working in the bank at 9 o'clock at night. I called the 1-800 number. They said, sorry, what are we supposed to do? We can't make the machine spit your card. I go, I was without a debit card until Monday. That's all my money right there I have access to. I was flipping out to borrow money from people for like three days. This was on a Friday night. Oh, it's just what annoying. Was what, if there was a, what if there's a hurricane? What yeah. if there was a tornado? What Hurricane Sandy came back? How would I get food shelter? What am I supposed to do? And, and that and that's the exact time when these systems that are not resilient, that are not decentralized, that's when they actually do go down. That's is when the, you need them the exactly. most. That's they're the first things that are going to go down. The ATM machines are not running on generators. They're not. It's just some banks are, but you could go to Seven Eleven. But like, what's going to happen? And then people run out of cash, and they try to take more cash out, and it's just crazy. Yeah. So. You know, what? Our, our next episode is actually going to be with Marco Santori. He's a New York attorney. He uh, advises lots of Bitcoin companies. So we're going to really dig into, uh, like, the legal issues there. But, 
you know, you, you talked about this OTC market, this over-the-counter market, and Bitcoin is very much peer-to-peer. Yeah. So, like, one of the easiest ways to get Bitcoins is just from one of your friends. Yeah, or someone, you know, wants to sell. That's like when you're part of the flourishing New York community. I have a friend, he says, text me, he says, Charlie, I need to get out of Bitcoin to sell a coin or two. What can I do? And I say, sure, I'll buy them from you. Or another friend needs, you know, gets paid in Bitcoin, needs some money. Can I buy it from you? Or and they say, can I sell it to you? And it's just like a nice peer-to-peer. And usually there are no fees involved in that because it's everyone's benefiting one guy needs to sell one guy needs to buy there's a, a price they agree on usually a little bit higher than the exchanges sometimes or not it depends and that's the best way to do it to be honest because you know both buyer and seller and, and, no and, and that's really what was what was so troublesome in the early days was establishing the trust yeah uh, but as the network effects of Bitcoin take root, and you like, I I got tons of friends now. Like if I yeah, ever no needed, no matter to, where you go in the world, there's usually a Bitcoin community. You go to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and you Google Lancaster Bitcoin Meetup. There's like 300 people in it in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, and you just text one of the guys or email them or send them a message. Hey, I want to sell some Bitcoin. Can you meet me? And for sure, I'm happy to meet another Bitcoiner. Yeah, and like I was reading one of the Reddit threads, there was a kid uh, traveling through Brazil. And his backpack got stolen, that, and his yeah. wallet, like everything, and and he actually used the Bitcoin through kind of the network to uh, get some reals in his hand, so that he could actually go to the, 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 the consulate and get. Yeah, I mean that's the network effect right there. Uh, like in my case, I've gone like I flew into uh, in into a city um, outside the U.S. and. You know, it was late, and for whatever reason, like, the currency exchange booth wasn't open like normal, but I was, uh, I went immediately to a dinner with some of the Bitcoin people, and bam, I was able to get the local currency super great. easy, as when long I as I had Argentina, Wi-Fi. When I was in Argentina, are you crazy? I'm not going to use the ATMs over there. The rate is astronomical. Well, not only that, but you get hit with the the official rate yeah, instead like, of the blue exactly. market rate, so you're right? Up, you're, you're getting four pesos to the dollar. When in reality, if you use the currency exchanges on the street, the black market guys, it's not really black, they're very nice people. It's like eight pence, it's like almost double. Well, yeah, actually, because I was presenting at that same Bitcoin conference in Buenos Aires oh, yeah, that we you were, were at. Together, right? And my buddy Kevin like flew in, and I guess he hadn't been to Argentina before. He didn't know what to do. But he, 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 he got $500 out at the airport, that you know? And, and, then, and then he gets to the conference and he's like, oh, yeah, I got my cash at the ATM. And I was like, well, that was really dumb. And so. a lot of money. Well, I didn't even realize well, it. Well, we got him, we got him the same number of pesos for like two. Two hundred twenty dollars of wow. of worth of bitcoins, you know. It probably feels like crap after that happened. Well, it was a learning experience for him. People ask me to bring dollars with me so they can, because people there want dollars. They don't trust uh, their fiat, but I'm saying like you trust our fiat more. It's like sure, maybe ours is not going to fail as fast as yours, but I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be want to be holding too much USD. Like sure, cash is great, but. I think Bitcoin and gold and, and other things are much better investments to keep your money in. Well, you know, and that that raises the bigger spectrum. Diversifying is you know, important. diversifying is very important. Like it, with your legal issues, you know, they 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 tried to seize all your assets yeah. and everything. And there's this there's this big issue called civil forfeiture. They can and, take any amount of money whenever they want. Yeah, not only that, but in the Cayley case with the U.S. Supreme Court, they upheld that. That because you you can actually get the the warrant to seize with just a grand jury, 
so that means that the, the defendant doesn't even get a chance yeah, to you hear, walk in right? And you say to a grand jury, like, look, uh, that we believe this person. Can we take his money to check? And like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, so, so, no. so the grand jury says, okay, we can we can start that up, and then they can go and they can arrest you and seize all your assets. And even if that prevents you from hiring the counsel of your choice, the U.S. Supreme Court just upheld in Cayley that that's fine and passes constitutional muster. Even though there's absolutely no real due process, uh, you don't get to challenge. You have no right. You you get no notice, no right to appeal, no, no ability to be heard before your assets get seized. And so this civil forfeiture issue. Oh, and. And we're, we're probably going to have an entire episode on civil forfeiture. Uh, but I think it's important to hit on this here because uh, th- it's becoming the largest source of funding for many of these police departments because that, that's how they actually get their budget is yeah. how much money they seize. And they sell it. They sell all the stuff too. Yeah. The property like with the Slick Road case. And so, you know, having having some Bitcoin, whether you lose your backpack when you're traveling, whether uh, you're safe, you're tar- you're you're a victim of identity theft, and for whatever reason, law enforcement, like you know, the, the you're completely innocent victim of identity theft, but bam, like the the law enforcement is able to convince a grand jury, and it's not like. It's not like innocent people never been targeted before, right? Yeah. But it would sure be nice to have some assets that for a rainy day that are there for a rainy day. Like whether whether the bank fails with the ATM, whether the visa is not working, whether your forfeiture your backpack gets stolen, something. civil forfeiture, and you're a victim of identity theft Even because a few of thousand dollars, just something to, to have there. And the network that these network effects, like this network of being able to convert those bitcoins into whatever, whatever currency, currency you might be able to use, or or product. Why even go to a currency? Just say, I'll give you Bitcoin if you can buy. You know, give me a cell phone. You go to a foreign country, and someone will buy you a prepaid cell phone and give it to you for Bitcoin. Or, or you buy your groceries. Your groceries uh, yeah, you know, and we got BitPay and Coinbase, like running with the merchants, and and Bitnet just raised yeah. uh, fourteen and a half million recently. A uh, bunch of former Visa guys. So there are increasingly more ways to convert those bitcoins into usable uh, yep. currency. So, so just to kind of like, what would be the note to end on? Like for people that for people that want to buy and sell bitcoins that that are brand new to it. Well, first, of course, they need to get their wallets, We're right? I say, like, do it the most comfortable way possible. Like, go to com- go to Coinbase, go to Circle. It's easy. Or it's- one of your friends. Or one of your friends, make sure it's a friend who's going to sit and explain to you what you're investing in. Like, don't just say, can I buy Bitcoin? Go to dinner with that friend for an hour. Try to understand what Bitcoin is. Set up a wallet with them. Make sure you secure your wallet. Because one of the good things about uh, Coinbase and Circle is that, one, they're insured. But two, is that it's it's two-factor authentication. It's it's pretty safe, relatively. I mean, there are two types of wallets. There are custodial wallets, like these guys who are holding onto your coins, which aren't necessarily bad. It's a necessary evil, you can say. But there's also ways of holding the coins yourself in your own secured wallet. But that's like... That's 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 like the next level. That's like an, an intermediate, you know. Well, so. and, and this is really a new technology, right? Very like, new. I mean, it's so like, what email was. Yeah, it's the, like email back in the day was like what people would argue. What does the at symbol mean? Like, does it mean at or or to or like what's going on here? And it's like it would, they had TV shows about how to work email. And email used to be like, besides for like, uh, I think it was like. Uh, 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 
Hey, before AOL was even around, there was another one, CompuServe. When CompuServe, like, setting up an email address with CompuServe was, like, a whole hassle and, like... Or Genie. <laughs> Genie or even, like, anything was the hardest thing to do. And just like Bitcoin, it's just going to take maybe even 10 years for my grandmother to be able to see the utility of Bitcoin. But in the meantime, we can build out crazy innovation. Like AOL, no one's ever, people make fun of it today. People say AOL, haha, that's so funny. Who has an AOL email address? But people don't give AOL benefit for being that first mover. They, in space. they laid a great foundation exactly. for a lot of people to really uh, learn the new tech. And just because. Everyone used AOL back in the day. Yeah. I used AOL, everyone used And it. just because you use. Use Bitcoin one way when you just come into it, you know, you can continue learning and growing and expanding your tool set and your skills, and then you'll be using Bitcoin a completely different way, which... Uh, I'd like to close with one of, one of the stories, which actually involves BitInstant. I had a I had a friend that I went to law school with, and her husband wanted to buy some bitcoins, and uh, we'd been over like just chatting and everything, and so. Uh, you know, I got him set up with one of the one of the online wallets, and then we're we're trucking off, going down. To, I think it's Wells Fargo, yeah. uh, and depositing the cash to buy the bitcoins with BitInstant. And next thing you know, like bam, he gets the text message: the bitcoins are in his awesome. are in his are in his wallet, How like just within it. like ten minutes. You know, and like a guy on a motorcycle told me, like I got back on my motorcycle and I had, <laughs> and I had my bitcoins. So he got he had his bitcoins; they were all working right. And I'd spent, you know, maybe 30, 45 minutes teaching him how to do that. And, and I'm sure that if somebody wants to buy Bitcoin, just find your geeky, your nerdy friend, and, like, they'll show you how to, to do some basics with the wallet. Well, or, or go to one of the Bitcoin meetup yeah. groups, like meetup.com is, is a good option. Well, you know, eight months later, I get pinged from my buddy on Skype, and he's like, all my Bitcoins are gone. What happened? And we don't. We, we actually don't know what happened, but somehow his online wallet had got compromised, and and he said, "I know I should have put him in Armory, but I've just been procrastinating it." And I was like, "Well, sorry." Uh, he had one hundred eighty thousand dollars of bitcoins. Oh my god! Which which today it'd actually be a couple million dollars. Oh my god! I'm and, hate these stories. And <laughs> but stories. but he owned up. He owned up to himself, and and his stories actually. He said, you know, when I had $100 of Bitcoin, I put $100 of thought into securing them. And when I had $180,000 of Bitcoins, of thought into- I was still only oh, putting $100 of thought into securing them. This is your so, like gold. If someone hands you a million dollars worth of gold, you're going to spend ten grand, you know, securing that gold or whatever well, it is. Well, I think it's important for people to understand, like, you don't have to learn how to secure $180,000 of Bitcoins if you're only going to buy $20 worth or $100 worth. But... It, you know, once you buy twenty or a hundred dollars worth, and you start getting comfortable with the tech, and you want to put more money into it, Gotta that's evolve. when you need yeah. to go back and evolve. Yeah. And like, like just in time learning, you 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 develop greater skills and abilities to secure the larger amounts of money. So I think that my buddy's uh, my buddy's story has been you know is very enlightening, a very good parable for other people. I hope other people don't lose their bitcoins like he did. And ironically, he's back. He's back in Bitcoin. He's the most paranoid Bitcoin. I know. I mean, well, he should be. Like he, he got a he got a new laptop, and he actually like had him remove the wireless card. So I mean, that thing is like that okay. thing's a rock, and he's, it's a he's lesson learned. But he's he's you know he's putting a lot more thought into securing his bitcoins because he's got 
out more value. And and so it's you know it can be very much a learning curve, I think, for people. Um, do you have any other suggestions for people that that are just wanting to get started in the space? Uh, you don't have to start with so much. You know, start with a little bit and build your way up. There's no need to jump in so heavy. You don't have to jump into the deep end right away. You just dabble a little bit and. and Make sure you're comfortable. If at the end of the day you're going to sleep and you're worried about losing all your money, then you have too much money in there. <laughs> it's a good story. Yeah. So uh, have yeah. a good time. Learn technology. It's fun. It it's is fun. You know, it's fun to like figure out how to make it work, and and you meet new people, and you have something in common, and like you can go to the meetup groups, and uh, yeah, all, all of this stuff. It it. When we learn these new skills, it's a, that's, social, it's a social revolution. It is in a lot of ways. You know, when 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 it comes time to dissolve the monetary bands which uh, which bind us together, um, we have to. You know, we're either going to have repression or regeneration, and the old system is failing. It's yeah. held together by duct tape. I mean, have there not been enough wake up yep. calls like ATMs, uh, visas, hacks, hacks uh, identity theft? We need to uh, give people a better solution, and pe- that's what's going to happen. People know that there's a viable, better solution out there, which there is, but it's not matured enough yet. People will start to question, and and, and people won't want to use those old bands anymore. Yeah, I mean, why why use the why continue using the newspapers and like the pagers and like physical books, etc. When we when we've got these potential solutions. So thank you so much for being with us, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. 